Hey friends, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Kent Cartridge. Uh, I've got a man, I've got a lot of history with this brand, going back to my college days when I was waiting tables just to fund my duck hunting addiction. That's when I first discovered Kent, and uh, I'd mess around with other brands, cheaper brands, and literally watch the pellets bounce off of greenheads. Uh, I found Kent, and I fell in love. And nothing's changed over the last 20 years except for, well, I'd say Fast Steel 2.0 is even better than the original. And Kent offers a premium shell at a sub-premium price. Check it out. It's Fast Steel 2.0. You can find it at your local retailer. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. You're telling me that I'm the only one willing to fight for my love of the red and white and the blue burning on the ground another step One of my favorites there from Aaron Lewis kicking things off for us on episode 639 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Howdy, friends. Hope you all have had a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Cable Smith. Uh, Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mossberg Firearms. I think that song is uh, appropriate for what we're facing as gun owners, hunters, reasonable people in this country in 2022. Oh, man. Crazy times we live in. And sometimes I feel like everything's just uh, sucking in around me. But you got two choices. Tuck your tail and run or stand up and fight. And uh, you know which one I'm going to do. And I know you'll be standing right there next to me. Uh, So anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm excited. I mean, dove season's going to be here literally in a couple weeks. I cannot freaking wait. And then uh, this next week, I'm I'm headed up to or over to New Mexico for a little fly fishing with my dad and brothers. My old man, I've been trying to get him to go fly fishing for years, but he has died in the wool, spinning reel, bait caster. Bass fisherman. That's what he loves. Well, once we decided to go on this trip, he, he finally was like, all right, uh, I think I'll, I'll take the plunge and give fly fishing a whirl. I mean, my mom even bought him a fly rod and reel kit from Cabela's years ago for Christmas, and that sucker was returned, and I'm sure he he probably bought a new bait casting reel instead. But, but yeah, this is our annual mountain man trip that we do with uh, – my dad's friends, 
from the church that I grew up in. They've been doing this trip for over 30 years. Once I turned 21, I started going. So that means I'm, uh, I'm like 20 years into this thing. And we used to be a more of a like hardcore backpacking experience, but it's transitioned into a little, a little bit easier experience as folks like my dad are approaching 70. There are some guys who are in their seventies. And so, we're not really hiking in the nine miles anymore. We're going to uh, camp closer to the Rio Castillo, and that is where we will wet our fly lines. And, uh, and we did get a, a guide for the first day. So for, for folks like my, my dad and uh, my middle brother, they've never fly fished. So it'll be a cool new experience for them. And I'm certainly looking forward to, to getting into the mountains and just decompressing for a couple days with friends and family. I uh, hope you have plans to do something similar. Hell, you might just be going to the lake with a cooler, a beer, with good friends and, and some country music. That works as well. Or maybe it's a, you know, a work trip to the deer lease. It's that time of the year where you got to fill up the feeders, got to hang tree stands October 1st. It's coming up too. So uh, got, what about all the mice that are that have infested the camper? Uh, got to deal with those sorry bastards. <laughs> there's always something to do. Uh, but I love those trips too. You, you know, the work trips are fun and you, you feel a sense of accomplishment knowing that everything is in order for the upcoming hunting season. Anyway, what's on the docket for today? Let me tell you, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat up old Stanley thermos. Cause we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, speaking of good friends, one of my oldest friends in this industry, uh, and we our relationship predates either of us doing this for a living, uh, Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters will be here, and we're going to catch up. We're going to kick each other in the groin, I'm sure, and talk a little hunting and fishing. They've got a, a great new show on Sportsman's Channel uh, called Target Rich Environment, and we're going to get into that uh, talk some duck hunting. He just got back from a prairie dog shoot up in Montana that sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, so lots to get into with Brett. Then uh, a more serious conversation with Outdoor Life's Tyler Friel, who will jump on from Alaska. Uh, <laughs> the great state of Alaska has really had to deal with some BS as far as federal hunting land being closed because of uh, the Federal Subsistence Board. None of it backed by scientific data, and the latest are uh, two units being closed completely to doll sheep hunting for the next two years. And, and the concerning thing is, this trend only seems to be going in one direction under this administration. You know, where's Deb Howland on this, our Secretary of the Interior? Uh, wouldn't commit to no net loss hunting. And here's our reward. We're living in it. Our rights are being taken away. Uh, Tyler has some hot sports opinions on that issue. And and we'll talk some doll sheep as well. I mean, the guy's killed, as a resident of Alaska, I think he's killed like 15 of them. Uh, insanely jealous of that, by the way. So cool stuff coming up with Tyler Friel uh, here in just a little bit. So that's what we're getting into today. Going to be a good one. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, let's knock out a quick giveaway how about let's give away some some Kent cartridge ammo in a cap. 
Uh, I've got two boxes of Fasteel 2.0. This week's winner will get to choose whether they want that in uh, 12-gauge number threes or uh, 20-gauge. These are number... Oh, these are actually teal steel, so they are like six-shot. But yeah, you can take your pick. You want them for early teal. If you want to wait for regular duck season, two boxes to this week's winner uh, of the uh, Kent Cartridge Fast Steel 2.0 or Teal Steel. Um, Just email. Let's make you do a little digging. How about the year that Kent Cartridge was founded? Just email the year to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And if you are correct, your hat will be thrown into the ring for this week's drawing, which takes place every Thursday. Okay, let's take a quick break. Up next, Brett Jepson, my longtime buddy from Three Curl Outfitters, joins us live in studio at SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. The original Texas hunting show is back. For 46 years, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza has been the official kickoff to Texas hunting seasons. Visit the world's top outfitters and guides. Get ready for the field with the latest hunting gear, rifles, clothes, and accessories. The granddaddy of them all is back August 5 through 7 in Houston. And this year only August 12 through 14 in Dallas at the K. Bailey Hutchison. And August 19 through 21 in San Antonio. Get the Texas Trophy Hunters extravaganza on your calendar. More info at ttha.com. Head to church on Sunday, forgiveness for our sins. We'll walk back to the house just to make some more again. There's our very own Matt Castillo bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearm. For you, the name of that one, by the way. Cable Smith here with you, as always. Thanks for dropping by. We've got a special in-studio guest joining us now. A longtime friend of, of not just the show. I mean, this guy and I go way back to the good old days. Before social media even existed, it was online hunting chat forums where you could meet people and and gain insight, ask questions, answer questions, share successful hunts, all that stuff. But that's where Brett Jepson and I actually uh, first crossed paths. And the nut kicking occurred then. It still occurs now, as I'm sure there'll be plenty of that in this conversation. Uh, This segment 
proudly brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the 940 Pro Waterfowl. Shoot it 1,500 times before you have to clean it. I love it. I know Brett would love that. He doesn't like to clean his guns either. Uh, but yeah, it's the 940 Pro Waterfowl, the new semi-auto loading platform from Mossberg. You can find it at mossberg.com. With that being said, <laughs> Brett, thanks for making the trek to the studio, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Um, it's about to be the busy time of year for you. It's well, already for all there. of us, but especially for Dove Outfitters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's it's already there. I mean, the prep that goes into it is the hard part. Once we get to September 1st, it's time to shoot some birds and have some fun, you know? And how are bird numbers looking in uh, North Texas right now? We're, so, and still more like North Central Texas, but... Yeah, I don't know what you consider it. There's always that argument, North Texas, and we're kind of... I'm in North Texas. You're sitting in North Texas. In, you're more Oklahoma. In McKinney, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, bird numbers are looking good. We're actually still in harvest for a lot of our sunflower fields. Uh, Milo's a little behind. Some late spring rains we had kind of got the planting a little bit behind, but we're starting to see more and more birds. They're starting to gather in places where they've cut some fields. So. Mm-hmm. Would... Like a lot of rain in August be a good or bad thing? Um, that'd be very bad for us. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as dove's concerned, now, you never hate rain. We'll take what we can get. But if we get a lot, all that seed that's on the ground right now for birds is going to turn into a plant, and uh, that doesn't do us any good at all. Right, right. I think that, like, the time has passed. We could have used the rain, like, last month, you know? But now Absolutely. we're in August, and the rain only will mess up dove hunting. Yeah, yeah, especially if you get those big rains. And it seems like every year, right around September 1st, we end up getting one of those big rains, whether it's a week before or a week after. I I definitely hunted opening day with you guys, and it was like, damn, the birds were here like five (laughs) days ago, and then we had a torrential downpour, and now there's not a bird left in Ellis County. It's either that or the birds are here, but they're a mile down this dirt road. Um, so if you want to walk down there, you can, but you're not getting anywhere close with a truck or a ranger yeah. to go shoot those birds. Uh, you know what we need to do is another Kansas duck hunt because your hair is looking like you might be ready for me to give you another mullet. Man, I'm, I'm getting old now, and so it doesn't grow as fast as it used to. So I got to start the growing season a little <laughs> earlier. So I've already got my duck season long hair going. That way I'm, that way I'm ready by November. Um, how long have we been friends? Man, I have no idea. Uh, it's been a long time, a decade or so, maybe. Dude, a decade. We were friends before you were an outfitter and before I was doing this show for a living, which I've, this right. is like year 14 of this. So more, That's I think closer right. to like going, cl- getting closer to the 20 year mark than the 10 year mark. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's been a long time. I just remember, um, when we first started out duck hunting, uh, to, to how we duck hunt nowadays, um, is a little bit different, uh, going back then with a dozen or two of decoys that we could string together between the both of us to, yeah. to now picking which dozen or two you want to take out. It's a big difference, but it's been a long time. Uh, a lot more ponds these days too, instead of public land death marches. Yeah. Yeah. No more death marches across the lake. Uh, no more giant mud flats. Those birds are safe and secure nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I still hunt public at least once a year. I go up to Ray Roberts just for nostalgia's sake because I buy the the Texas uh, public land permit anyway just to yeah. support Texas Parks and Wildlife. So I might as well do it. Yeah. And there's a couple places that are like special for me and the dogs and over the years that I'm just like, I go once a, once a year at least. But sure. uh, the days of lugging those decoys around all nope. season long 
for miles and miles. And I didn't have a boat either, so it was just like, mm. Yeah, I usually do it. It's a it, young man's game. It is, it is. The walk-in is a young man's game. But I usually take the boat out at least once a year. Um, it's usually during teal season. One mm-hmm. of the boys will be bugging me, wanting to kill some ducks. We'll take the boat out and try to go kill some ducks on one of those lakes. Go see the old spots, see how it's looking, all that good stuff. You remember back in the day how, like, and how we met was on a, a hunting forum. But back in the day, like, people, like, wanted to slit your throat if you said what lake you hunted at. No lake naming. <laughs> lake namer. I'll I just drop never, all the lake uh, names now. I don't <laughs> care. I hunt Ray Roberts. Uh, Brett, Brett hunts uh, Richland Chambers occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Cedar Creek used to be Cedar a good Creek, one. Yeah. Yeah. Bardwell. You could always slay him at good Where old Bardwell. Where was the, <laughs> uh, the epic teal smash that I missed? Oh, man, I can't name that lake. To this day, I still feel bad about it. I think it was Cedar Creek. It was Richland, <laughs> it was, it was Richland Chambers. It was. Yeah. So we shot, though, I remember that year because we shot green wing teal all of January. That was like my, I don't know, second, third, fourth year guiding, something like that. Uh-huh. And if we didn't have a successful hunt and I felt bad that we didn't get on birds like we were supposed to, I could cruise over there at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock noon two o'clock in the afternoon it did not matter we could shoot a limited green wing teal in 15 minutes so last day of the season you remember oh yeah let's go shoot a 10-man limit we're gonna do it we're gonna shoot a 10-man limit of green wings you show up that morning and hey i brought a buddy hey i brought a buddy (laughs) we ended up with what 17 of us i think it was 17 layout blinds on public land Yes. And and how long did it take to shoot a 17-man limit? I think 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> are there any green wing teal left? It's a wonder there are. It's it's crazy because I went back a few weeks later, and there was just as many there as when the season closed that day. But I remember being out in the water, and we had, what, two inches of water, maybe inch and a half, two mm-hmm. inches, and it was solid ice, and we were putting out decoys for some weird reason on solid ice floaters, and we were like, man, they're not going to come in until the ice melts off here in a few hours, and... All of a sudden, we're standing there talking, and you hear, <laughs> turn around, there's a group of 50 or so coming in. We all hop in the layout blinds, and bam, 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 we're 15 minutes later, we're done. Yeah. Epic. Probably the most epic duck hunt I've ever heard of, 17-man limit on public land. Well, it's just the way those green wings are, you know? Like, uh, the, with them coming in, you do it with field mallards and that kind of stuff, and the 17-man limit is pretty common, or widgeon in the peanut fields, but going out and shooting a 17-man of nothing but green wings on a public mud flat without another group of hunters in sight or within ears range. I mean, it was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, I remember going back to that Kansas trip we did a couple years ago. Um, we had those mallards coming into our field setup, but it was like, right, like right at the end of LST. Yes. So we just stood there and watched them tornadoing above us, trying to get in there. Yeah. And that sucked. Man, it, ha- <laughs> it happens a lot. So people always ask me, what do the birds look like up there? What do the birds look like up there? They, they look the same as they do every year. There, there's tens of thousands of ducks hitting all these fields. Um, your problem is weather. You got to have a gloomy day or a snowy day or really, really cold with some sunshine to be able to get them to come in within legal shooting time. Otherwise, you're right. Five minutes after legal shooting time, you're laying there like we were. And I was like, I promise this is the field, guys. And everybody's doubting me. We hadn't seen a bird all afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, five minutes after, we had, I don't know, eight, 10,000 ducks come and land in our lap. Yeah. Um, within a 20-minute. I mean, these ducks feed all the time. I yeah. mean, it's, it's dark. They're still out there. You know, they're trying yeah. to land when it's getting dark yeah. in the field. And we stayed in those cabins by um, the lake that they were roosting on. And what'd you hear all night long? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, midnight, one in the morning, you hear geese coming and going from the reservoir all, yeah. all night long. Yeah, that wasn't, but still we, uh, so we got, that was one of the best hunts I've been on public land wise. I mean, the first day we shot 
close to, I don't remember how many there was, maybe eight or so of us. Yeah. And uh, we shot all mallards and pintails. We just had to move to water and pick yeah. them off one or two at a time. We didn't get to shoot fun. the big groups, but it's just as fun. So we need to run that back. Let's talk about y'all's new venture, though. And as we're approaching, I guess, year two of filming for Target Rich Environment, which is basically Three Curls TV show. Yes, sir. What uh, what made you guys decide to to go that direction? Um, well, a number of things, I guess. Uh, we we wanted to kind of open up to to everyone what we do on a daily basis and open up all the different hunts we do. So Craig, that we partnered with with Heli Hunter, mm-hmm. um, of course, had the number one show on Sportsman back in 2014, and I think to this day it's still the highest rated show um, in Sportsman Channel history. And so Three Curl partnered with Heli Hunter because we're a mile away from each other, and we uh, both were building a new lodge, and we used a bunch of the same property to hunt. And so it was just a good fit to partner. Um, and just the daily lives of me and Charles and Craig working together, running thermal hog hunts and then heli hunts and duck hunts and dove hunts. It's always kind of a uh, perfect cluster of the way things work. And so we just thought it'd be a really neat TV show to open up for everybody. And what other name than Target Rich Environment? Because on any given day, we could literally be killing different animals throughout the day. Um, Duck, dove, pig, um, quail, pheasant, everything's going on all at once. And so we have a true target-rich environment here in Texas, and it's just a, kind of an awesome way to put it on TV for everybody to see. It's on Sportsman's channel. Sportsman, yep. Um, anchor time is Sunday at 1230, but we're on five days a week. Okay. Yep. Right on, right on. Well, I didn't think y'all's lives were that interesting, but... Yeah, you know, yeah, this, you never do. The show <laughs> says otherwise. <laughs> or at least you guys have the audio... The, the, uh, the viewers duped into thinking so. Yeah, well, you know, you only put the good stuff on TV, so <laughs> you you know how that goes. We're we're gonna take this two hour conversation and you're gonna cut it down into like ten minutes, right? <laughs> what has been your favorite thing about the show? Um, you know, to put one thing on it, it's kind of hard. I guess uh, the people that you get to meet doing the show, because mm-hmm. we get to meet with a lot of the the sponsors and the companies um, going to the shows and and using their products we get to we get to hang out with those guys and that's really neat and we've got to hunt with some really cool people um i also like to be able to look back at stuff that i've filmed because we have our kids on the show i had bryce come out and shoot his first turkey and we filmed it and um it was awesome so i'll i'll forever get to have that footage and not just my cell phone footage but right actual movie quality footage of bryce shooting his first turkey so it's pretty awesome yeah we need to uh we need to get Henry his first turkey this year. He's not, he's not, he's like shooting the rifle. Hasn't really gravitated to the scatter gun yet. I remember him trying to shoot one. That's been years though. When it was two years ago, I think we, we went duck hunting. We went he duck tried hunting? to shoot Bryce's 410. So yeah. I got him a 410. Yeah. Um, but Still he shot like it, it once and he's like, eh, eh no. you know, I think he, I don't know what, um, I guess the thing though for me is like is the dad who doesn't want to get shot by his kid <laughs> is I feel safer in the deer blind with the rifle pointing yes. towards the feeder or yes. whatever than yep. birds flying around in all directions. But if he wants to try to go dove hunting this year, I'm going to let him. So uh, Bryce's, it's definitely strategic with the shotgun. The mm-hmm. shotgun's always out front. We don't even load it until it's time to shoot a bird. I'm behind him, helping him support the gun in front. Um, definitely don't want to be that dad either. But I can't. It's hard for me 
to motivate Bryce to wake up and go on a deer hunt. Mm -hmm. If I say duck or dove hunting, he springs out of bed, kind of like me, you know, we're yeah. ready to go. But you talk about deer and livestock and that kind of stuff. And deer he's, and livestock. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'd rather sleep. Spoken like a true duck hunter. Yeah. <laughs> You've been calling deer livestock for as long as I've known you. Only when I talk to you. Yeah. Only. Well, I wouldn't sure. insult anybody else like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, what's the hardest thing about filming the show? And, and how many episodes do you guys do every year? Um, 26. So, so yeah. yeah, every other week, new episode comes out. Um, the hardest part is definitely, um, the actual filming. So you think, Hey, um, this is all really cool. We're killing thousands of ducks and dove and pigs, and we're going to put it on TV. It's not that easy. So every hunt that used to take a two hours is now a three or a four hour deal because you got to go back and, Hey, let's do this real quick. If you loading the gun, Hey, let's get you mm -hmm. guys walking in, carrying the stuff. Let's get you walking out. Um, so the five minute segment that you guys see of a hunt was, uh, a day of my life and probably two to three days of our producer and editor's life. Right. So what, uh, what hunts are you looking forward to the most for this, uh, this coming fall? Just the duck hunts. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, dove's going to be great this year. We got a lot of really good sunflower fields. Um, dove in September is going to be awesome. Um, our duck season's looking really, really good. Um, We've got some new wetlands that we're managing right off of the Trinity River south of Dallas that have just been known to hold thousands of ducks every year, and they're going to be awesome as well. Um, so duck and dove are going to be my two that I'm looking forward to. I know Charles and Craig have some awesome Kansas whitetail hunts coming up, um, some elk hunts in Montana that they're really looking forward to, but you know me. I'm, I'm ready to chase some birds. Spoken like a true dyed-in-the-wool waterfowler, uh, which is how I started out, and how Brett and I became friends originally anyway. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get into a recent hunt that Brett just wrapped up in Montana. Montana in the offseason? They don't have pigs up there. What was Brett after? We'll discuss next. That segment proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy and Black Rifle Coffee, America's Coffee Company. Of course, they've got grounds in every persuasion light medium dark whatever you prefer and uh, recently they added k cups to their lineup so if you're the uh, keurig type they've got you covered there you'll save 20 percent off your black rifle order and that includes coffee and the uh, patriotic swag that they're known for that's 20 percent off when you shop at blackriflecoffee.com and use that promo code lone star 20 at checkout we'll be right back on sci's lone star outdoor show Wow, we live in crazy times when it comes to censorship on social media. And if you're a gun owner and a hunter, and if you're proud of those things and you post about those things, then pff, you're already on the blacklist. You're getting censored. You might not even know it. Take it from me. I had my Instagram page deleted for an entire month for no reason last year. Mm-hmm. Guess what? That kind of stuff doesn't happen over at Go Wild. It's a community of people who love to hunt, fish, and cook their wild game. They also love guns. If you want to be a part of that kind of place where you're not getting censored, where they actually promote posts with that kind of content, just go to download Go Wild. It's a free app. I absolutely love it. You'll see me there posting every day. So come on, join the conversation at Go Wild. 
I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend. Visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. You know now I'm not a man who's ever been insecure about the world I've been living in. I don't bring it easy. I have my pride, but if you need to be satisfied, I'm ashamed. Here's a little Garth Brooks bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by... Mossberg Firearms, Cable Smith here with you. It is kind of weird, right? You know, 14 years into this production, I finally start playing Garth Brooks. And that isn't because I don't like Garth Brooks. It's because all the music I play, I download off of Apple. So it used to be iTunes. I don't know what it's called now, but Garth Brooks didn't put his music on there. And so uh, someone gave me a box set a long time ago, and I found it in the attic. It's all of his greatest hits. And since I have the actual physical CDs, I can now burn them into my recording software. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, I uh, love Garth. Um, and I love being here with you guys and my buddy Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters, who is still here with us. And uh, we'll pick it back up with Brett. This segment brought to you by John X Safaris. The date is set. May, I think it's the 22nd through the 30th. Yep, yep. That's what it is of 2023 this will be my sixth safari with sean x i've got three spots left one of them filled up last week Uh, if you are interested in jumping on that trip to south africa's beautiful eastern cape shoot me an email lone star outdoor show at gmail.com all right we're picking it back up with brett who was nice enough to uh stick around for another segment you just got back from montana and when you think of montana you think western big game so not sure uh, what seasons are open in the middle of the summer. Uh, well, I know what you're doing, <laughs> and it uh, it dang sure looks like a lot of fun. Man, it was awesome. Have you ever done that um, prairie, I, prairie dog? I've sh- in Texas, like in the Panhandle. Okay. When uh, like on a, I was actually on a pronghorn hunt. Yeah. And we got bored one afternoon, and we we're like, "Look at all these prairie dogs. Do we have permission to hunt there?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, we have that property leased." Yeah. Is the landowner cool? He's like, he's the landowner wants us to kill all of them. Yeah, they hate them. <laughs> they hate them like we hate pigs yeah. up there in Montana. But no, it was it was awesome. So I've seen them a lot when I'm out chasing ducks and mm-hmm. you see prairie dogs. But um, it's you know you, you're focused on scouting ducks and geese, so you don't take the time. But it was awesome. The the country's up there, so mm-hmm. you're driving through miles and miles. It took us two hours to get from the uh, lodge that we stayed at to where we were actually going to hunt. And I think we only went 40 miles, but you're just up and down through the mountains. You get there and they set you up on a bench that swivels 360 and these prey dogs just start coming out of holes. And (laughs) you would, to me, it's amazing that they come out and you shoot at them. They walk two feet and stand there again. You shoot at them again. And 
I thought I was a good shot till I start to try to hit something the size of a can, you uh-huh. know, two, 300 yards away. But, um, you sit at the same bench for three or four hours and just shoot and shoot. Like you shoot one over here and then there's one on the other side, on the other side, and they never get the hint. Um, <laughs> you just sit there and shoot all day, you know? So a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And to leave the 105 degree weather here to go there where it's 60 in the morning and 70 in the afternoon, uh, was pretty sweet as well. Yeah. So one of the reasons why you guys went with Sportsman's Channel over Outdoor Channel is because you can show more footage of like kill shots and be a little more graphic, which, you know, we, we don't want to glorify that part of it. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And Outdoor Channel is like, I, I don't even think they can put like replay a shot. It's certainly not like slow motion kill shots or any of that stuff. Yeah, so I don't know the specifics, um, but I do know that they had limitations on um, what you can actually show. Mm -hmm. And us with Target Rich Environment, the whole point of the show is to not have 20 minutes of BS leading up to that one kill shot. We want to show every segment multiple kills because that's what people like to see and and hunting that's what i like to see anyway you know i want to see the action Mm -hmm. um so yeah we we're not glorifying it by any means but there are definitely some slow-mo instant replays of where we're shooting pigs out of the helicopter and they're barrel rolling or uh flipping and and with the prairie dogs you can get real creative with it um (laughs) you can uh, you can send them flying by making a low shot or you can um cut them in half cut them in half you can take the top off and so we got a lot of really close shots on that and uh it it made for some you know some some pretty cool footage what uh caliber were you using we're using 762 for some of it just Uh to make them explode for the most part we shot 223 Mm. 5.56 Right on. Good choice there. I think yeah. I think I took my twenty two two fifty when I went. So a lot of people shoot that, but um, the Wise Arms guys came out and they built a special rifle for uh, just for the prairie dog hunts with a longer barrel to where we a little more precise and they were five five six. I also brought along the seven six two because I just wanted to see what it would do to a prairie I dog. Got Henry to like get him used to shooting a rifle. I bought him a seventeen HMR. In the last deer lease, well, we just got off of this deer lease in Clay County. But we had prairie dogs out there uh, the first year we were on it. And I think the the uh, the neighbor poisoned them all. But, uh, oh, nice. Uh, you know, that's what ranchers want to do to them. Yeah. Don't blame them. Um, but, yeah, that 17 HMR was just like a little pop gun, like smoking them. Yeah. It's fun to shoot. It'll be a lot of fun. Prairie dog hunting in Montana. Ducks coming up. Yep. Dove coming up. Yep. What else? Um, heli. We have traditionally done heli hunting always in February and March mm-hmm. because it's outside of deer season. Leaves are off the trees, so we can see pigs better when we're flying, and um, we can we can push them better into open areas to get shots. We're going to do some because we've had so many people that want to come hunt with us, and we only have a certain amount of dates in February and March before the foliage starts to come in. We're going to do some in October this year. Mm. So. Really can't do that around the Metroplex, but you go out west and that kind of country out there, we can still see pigs. Um, not a whole lot of uh, cover for them. So we get to do some flying in October this year and nice. and kill some pigs from the helicopter. So February is like one of y'all's busiest months, which I was we were talking off the air about possibly. And we've been kicking around going to Argentina to go dove hunting for yeah. years. Yeah. And I was like, what, what about February? You want to go? And you're like, yeah, we're going to be helicopter hunting yeah, nonstop. Not g- not going to happen. 
Um, we start right towards the end of January for heli hunting, and February is pretty much our biggest month. So the cooler temps help with the bird to keep it cool. Um, it's easier to fly, and so we just uh, February. If the wind's not blowing and the conditions are good to fly, we'll fly every single day that we can of, of February as well as early March. Um, used to. I remember we'd talk a lot during duck season and we would, you know, we hunt every single day of the season and the end of January comes around and it's like, Oh man, well I'll see, I'll talk to you in a week or so. Cause I'm going to sleep for a week straight. Mm-hmm. Well, we get done with duck season now. And literally last year we duck hunted that morning and that afternoon we flew for pigs. And so it was, it was like, it no was wonder like, you're always drinking these bangs. Hey, you can't he go brought me. It. He brought me the wild and watermelon today, which That's is pretty bad. good. I'm not going to lie. It's not a bad one. After you ate it on the cotton candy, I had to bring you something well, a little better. I like the ones that actually taste like like a grown up would drink them. And yeah. you're drinking the ones that are like labeled cotton candy or Skittles parade yeah. or some crap. Make you feel like a kid again. Yeah. Give no. you some energy. <laughs> Stomach <laughs> ache waiting to happen. Oh, man. Um, are you guys going to do any upland hunting or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe some crane hunting or something, something yeah. new for the show this, this fall. Yeah. So we, we, um, where we hunt, we don't have a lot of crane and what we do have for crane, they're on the wrong side of the highway. So mm-hmm. we can't hunt them on that side of 35. So we, we do plan to go and take a trip with, uh, to, to go do some crane hunting with somebody out West. Um, we'll definitely do upland. You know, we offer upland hunts right there South of Dallas. Mm-hmm. So we'll, uh, We'll do a couple thousand birds worth of quail this year and do some pheasant and chucker in there mixed in. So we actually have that coming up pretty soon. So we start hunting those in mid-October mm-hmm. as soon as it starts to cool down. And so, Which I've done that hunt with you guys, and I forget I forget his name that has the dogs. Mr. Tom Brown. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a good dude. Has some great dogs. He, oh, he does good. He does good. He's got a lot more dogs now. So every time he finds one available, I get that phone call. And he let Bell come uh, and play cleanup. Pick okay. Up, picking up some of the. Very nice. uh, we need to do that again soon. Yeah. Because that's uh, coming up. We're going to do just to get the dogs trained and back in shape. We're going to film some in early October uh, before we actually start taking clients out. So mm. it might be a good time for you to come join us. Uh, yeah. I would love to get. So my new dog, JoJo, is mm-hmm. in Minnesota right now. Yeah. She's been there all summer training mm-hmm. and uh, has been there by the end of this month. She'll have been gone 11 months. So. Um, She'll be back for September 1st, though, for dove season. Nice. That'd Where are you cool. going? You hunting with us? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> if I'm invited, yeah, I'll you, come with you guys. You're going to call me three days before and say, hey, do you have room September 1st? <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> well, then I'm, I'm gonna, let's just skip that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say right now, hey, by the way, save me a stool. That works. We got plenty of birds, plenty of space. Come on. All right. Um, yeah, I've hunted with you guys uh, more opening days than not, I'd say, over the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you could probably make a collage of the kids holding birds from the time they were one all the way until now. There's definitely pictures of Henry in his stroller yes. in the dove field. Yeah, I remember that. With a bottle of milk. Yeah, yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. And then now you have all three of them holding birds with them piled up on the tailgate. It's mm-hmm. great. Which Henry loves. He loves cleaning the birds. Like, it's, he's like, like loves the like anatomy. Yeah. It's like, Look, Dad, his eyeball just came out. Like, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you, you are again. you are your you are your father's son. Yeah. So I've got my youngest one like that. He yeah. loves to clean them, and he loves to clean everything. So uh-huh. everything I bring home, me and him clean it together. My oldest one just loves to be on the hunt, and he loves to fetch dove because it's a nice dry field. So when when birds go down, can I go get it? It's like, well, absolutely. Mm. Have at it. 
Mm-hmm. So Blue's getting a little older. He's like seven now. So I don't really bring him out for dove hunting if we're hunting dry field. Mm-hmm. It's a little too warm. Um, but I bring the boys and I'll, you know, I'll run them. Well, I guess I'm a little too mean to my dog because well, if I'm going, she's going. We'll see how she is because yep. this will, September 1st will be her first hunt ever. There you go. So that's exciting. Maybe I'll sit with you. Yeah. So we got more birds for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. If folks want to book a thermal hunt or I know you guys still have some dove leases available. It's getting pretty late in the game, but yeah. I saw you posted on, on your social that you still have some leases. Yep. So, um, everything is on the website at three curl.com. Uh, you can go on there and browse all the available leases we have. You can look at pictures, details, locations, prices, all that. It's all online and, um, you can sign up and get on a lease right there. We make it as easy as possible. Uh, if you have any questions, our number's on there and you can call us and we're happy to help you, but it's as easy as just getting online and doing everything. Um, there's also all the information on our thermal hunts, our upland hunts, helicopter hunts. It's all in the same place at threecurl.com. And I've done all of the hunts except for the helicopter hunt. So I can vouch for, you know, we actually, we did the, we did a thermal hunt like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. I invited you to go on a helicopter hunt this last year and then I, Took the invite away. Oh yeah, I forgot about a few, that. A few yeah. hours later. Hey, but. <laughs> you want to go helicopter hog hunting? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, then what? a text like two hours later uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> we had wind issues. We didn't end up going. Yeah. yeah hey, yeah. but maybe we'll make it happen this year. Yeah. Well, I'd love to do it, um, but I'm not, and I'm not too proud to uh, invite myself. So yeah, we'll, uh, whenever we'll you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Uh, also, you guys have the beautiful lodge. Um, mm-hmm. What is it called? Wild Acres. Wild Acres, yeah. which is in Ellis County. It's in Ellis County, about 40 minutes south of Dallas. Uh, just opened it a year and a half ago, brand new lodge. We've got 11 bedrooms, event center, shooting range, um, pool tables, ping pong, axe throwing, skeet stations. The stopping, first time I came out there, it. Henry and I spent the night and went duck hunting with you and Bryce, and uh, y'all had a basketball goal inside, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I got in trouble for that. <laughs> yeah, Once they started bringing in the – you know, because it's an event center too on yeah. that side. But before we had weddings going on, we made it into, you know, a giant man oh, cave. Oh, wiffle ball. Wiffle ball. We had basketball going on. Well, once they brought in the wedding chandeliers and stuff and all the tassels started missing off of them, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they made me remove the basketball goal. It's outside now. Yeah. So. Uh, and then for so so that's that lodge is new. It's pretty swanky. It's it's very nice. Um, and then for the thermal hog hunts, you guys have another lodge, mm-hmm. which I would say I mean it's more rustic, but it's I mean it's a great lodge as well. Sure, it's more of a, a hunting cabin. That's what I tell yeah. people. It's got six bedrooms. Sleep twelve guys in there, but it's a little bit smaller. Doesn't have all the bells and whistles. No big open bar or anything like that. But we do our thermal hog hunts there, and then all of our corporate events and and corporate hog hunts we do out at the new lodge where there's a little more space but both of them both of them are open and running it just depends on you know your taste and what you're looking for how far out are you guys booked up on thermal hog hunts right now and um we're, we're booked for august for sure because uh, it's our busiest time of year yeah. we've got uh, corn's being cut corn's being cut and we're getting on you know six to ten groups of pigs a night it's just crazy uh we do have some availability in september um and october but weekends are pretty much shot all the way till i don't know november or december or something like that mm-hmm. so we got some weekday stuff in september and october available well you know what i'm proud of you guys uh you and charles like i said you and i've been friends a long time and charles um charles and i've been friends probably almost as long as you and i've been friends through your introduction yeah which i think the first time i met charles was on a 
public land teal hunt, which uh, didn't go. It was like early season teal, and it sucked. I don't think we shot any birds, but. Oh, yeah. I think that was probably on Richland Chambers, too. I do remember that. Too. I do remember that. Yeah, walking, it did suck. Walking the mud flat, and then. That one was your fault, though, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, you guys I appreciate done, it. You guys have done a great job. Uh, I mean, without obviously with the outfitting business and and now with a, a uh, very successful TV show. So, oh man, I I appreciate it, and um, I'm proud of you too, Cable. I really am. You've I wasn't looking for a show. reach around. I didn't need the. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we really couldn't have done it without um, guys like you promoting us all these years. You know, to get us where we are. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been a good ride. Um, you know, I'm looking forward for what's to come. Remember, I remember when you were like in the corporate world and you were like, I'm quitting that crap and I'm going to outfitting yeah. full time. Yeah. It's not a piece of cake though. You know, like the, the, the hours are long. You guys, I mean, the amount of time y'all spent driving and scouting for ducks when you first started out, I was, how did they make any money? <laughs> yeah. So if gas was, uh, the way it is now, I, I wouldn't have made any money because yeah. we were putting 50, 60,000 miles a year on our trucks, which we still are. Uh-huh. Um, but back then, whenever you're selling $150 duck hunts and you're doing them outside of your normal job, I mean, there was days where I'd spend $150 in gas to go guide a two man duck hunt that I was making $300 off of. And it's like, right. well, what's going on here? But you got to start somewhere, you know? Um, I was very fortunate to have a job that I didn't have to be there every day from nine to five. Uh, I was able to work from my cell phone. So I was kind of towards the tail end of my corporate days. I was duck hunting and scouting all day while on the phone, quote unquote, working, you know? (laughs) And so it was a lot easier transition because I was able to build the business as I was working my old job. And then one day just be like, you know what? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Like I, I, I got got to where I dreaded the two hours worth of phone calls a day that I had to make, and I was just like, you know, I'm I'm done. Yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. focus on the outfitting, and ended up being a good call. You know, absolutely. Well, hey man, thanks for coming to the studio. Certainly appreciate it. Y'all check it out. Target Rich Environment Sportsman's Channel. Uh, you just told me also about this app. If you don't have Sportsman's Channel, friendly app. It's like seven dollars a month. You can mm-hmm. watch all the episodes on there. Um, and it's not just Sportsman's Channel. It's like every every. Yeah. Uh, Every channel on cable TV, yep, essentially. Absolutely. So. And you can catch them on YouTube. So we're going to put all the episodes on YouTube after they air on Sportsman, of course, um, on the Target Rich Environment TV Perfect. YouTube page. Well, hey, thanks for dropping by. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you bet, man. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Catching up with our good friend, longtime friend, Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters. Uh, sorry, uh, Charles Spiegel. His partner couldn't be here today as a... Uh, Love Charles as well. We've had a lot of great hunts over the years too. But yeah, always enjoy catching up with old Bretsky. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. It's not too late. If you are planning on introducing your kiddos to whitetail deer hunting in Texas this year, why not get a 600-pound stand and fill and maybe a little chingone if you got one kid or a big chingone if you're like me and you've got three rowdy rambunctious kiddos you need to stick in there my kids are getting a little older they understand they need to be quiet these days but oh, when we first started hunting it was like a herd of elephants in a blind so it's got carpet cup holders it's got room for literally four or five chairs that's the big chingone of course and you can find it and it's little buddy the little chingone right there at allseasonsfeeders.com coming up next Let's head up to Alaska and see just how the Biden administration is doing when it comes to protecting 
hunter's rights, and hunter opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Friel of Outdoor Life makes his return right here on SCI's so One Star Outdoor Show. Stitch across my chest. And now I can drop a man from about two clicks. I wonder if he's proud of me yet. I've got my daddy's name stitched across my chest. It's time to tell you about Protect Products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, Energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback, and the cool thing is they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Cryo and More, the one-stop feel-good shop in McKinney, Texas. I've been going there for over a year now. All your holistic healing needs with cold, heat, and compression therapy services. And these services, they're the fastest way that I've found to reduce inflammation and to get to the root cause of pain. You don't need to be in pain, though, in order to benefit from these services. Cryotherapy helps with burning calories, optimizing sleep, boosting energy, and much more. I can tell you that's true because I feel like a brand new man every time I get out of the cryo chamber. Uh, Plus, compression therapy helps promote healthy blood flow. Come in anytime before 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Say the words cold outdoors and you'll get $10 off your cryo session. That's cryoandmore.com. I can be... High, wild, and free Where the Mackenzie's meet the heavens You can hike through God's out of street Where the dog sheep have dominion Cable Smith, welcome and everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show Presented by Mossberg Firearms High, Wild, and Free, the name of that one, from Chad Slagle, who, uh, it's probably been 10 years, but Chad actually came to the studio, played a couple songs, and brought a bow that he had made from Osage wood, and he left it here, (laughs) and I still have it 10 years later. He lives in Oklahoma, has never made the the trip back to the studio, but uh, still have your bow, Chad, sitting right here in the studio. It's It's a nice decorative piece, to say the least. Uh, we are all set to uh, head up to Alaska, the last great frontier, to check in with Outdoor Life writer, a passionate big game hunter and conservationist, Tyler Friel. First, though, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. Whether that's in Alaska, Texas, Oklahoma, or West Virginia, or internationally, it doesn't matter. If it affects your rights as a hunter, as a sportsman or woman, as a gun owner, SCI is there fighting on the front lines from Washington, D.C. I'm a proud member. If you'd like to join our ranks, it's uh, $65 a year. 
And uh, you can do so by heading over to safariclub.org. Um, all right, well, let's bring him on right now. Joining us all the way from Alaska today, it is my pleasure to welcome Tyler Friel back to the show. No, good to good to, good to chat with you again. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. So how are things in Alaska? Well, there's a lot going on in Alaska. <laughs> things are, you know, some things are good. Some things are uh, tumultuous. You know, mm. there's um, plenty of conflict going on and uh, yeah, losing, losing land to hunt on rapidly. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And we're going to, there's a lot of people to point fingers at, which we will do. Uh, before we do that, though, I'm just jealous of all the doll sheep back there on your wall. So when is your, what is your doll sheep season shaping up like for this year? Well, my, uh, my buddy and I actually drew both drew tags for uh, a really, you know, pretty coveted hunt that, um, you know, we'll just, we'll see how it goes. There's not a lot of sheep in the area, but you know, it's known for having good genetics and some big rams. So we'll probably almost certainly do a lot of walking and a lot of sitting and glassing and uh, getting rained on and whatnot. And hopefully we'll end up getting a couple of nice rams, but we'll see. So what what makes a nice ram? I've never gone sheep hunting. It's you know I put in for the the tags here in the lower forty eight. Um, I'm not an Alaskan resident clearly, so I don't have the luxury of. You, you told me last time you get a tag every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's so, uh, over you know kind of over the counter opportunities up here uh, for for residents and non residents. Um. So I although so this what's is, a good one then? Well, a shoot? good. A good ram is kind of in the eye of the beholder, you know. Re- really, any any mature. Don't feed me that doo doo. Give me what is it? What's a slammer ram up there? I mean, a slammer a, a trophy. You know, trophies in the eye of the beholder, of course. And, and on any hunt, it's it is. But yeah, you know, I you mean, know. any any mature ram, any like any mature ram that you can get is is a nice ram. But you know, when you I mean, when you've, I, got a, when you've got that many on your wall, <laughs> I imagine you're a little more selective than saying first mature Ram I see, I'm going to shoot. Yeah, mostly a little, maybe a little bit more selective than that. So no, um, I'd like to get one. I I've never killed one that has horns 40 inches long uh-huh. or a horn that's 40 inches long. That's kind of, there's different ways to think about it. You know, if some people will go by, you know, Boone and Crockett score, I, uh-huh. I don't even I'm probably that. never going to kill a, a Boone and Crockett sheep. So it's, it's very difficult to do. Um, so I, I, I more concern myself with horn length than just getting like a nice mature, heavy horned, hopefully long horned ram. So and what it's, it's age kind of class would that be seven, eight, 10 years old? Uh, typically, yeah, you know, it, it's nice to get them if they're, if they're nine, 10, 11 years old, okay. once you get past, you know, nine or 10 years old, they're really living on borrowed time. Um, you will get some 11, 12, 13, occasionally some will kill one that's 14, but you know, once they're basically, once they're beyond eight years old, the clocks, the clocks ticking, you know, Mm -hmm. they've been, they've been breed, you know, they've been sexually mature for several years at eight years old and the mortality really starts to go up after that. So, you know, um, What's the number one predator of doll sheep in Alaska? That would be a hard one. It would probably depend on air on the area. In some areas, it's it's probably golden eagles. Um, they really? they're they're hell on the lambs. And I've you know I uh, an outfitter I know 
one of his guides saw a pair of golden eagles attacking a mature ram last season i believe it was oh my god you know it's the you know it may be difficult for him to kill one but they're they're hell on the lambs um mm-hmm. wolves are always a big one in the winter if they can you know they'll they'll wipe out a bunch of them if they catch them in the wrong spot in the winter um you know certain areas coyotes are an issue on on per, uh you know predating sheep um so they're you know grizzly bears not so much but they'll get some of them wolverines will get some of them um but i'd mm. say primarily wolves and golden eagles are, are the top two predators of them i would not have figured golden eagles would come into play but you know you see those videos on the internet of uh eagles attacking ibex and and other parts of the world so it's it's hardly surprising no yeah well and and you know there's a lot of golden eagles up here and when a when a doll sheep's born i mean the lambs are tiny you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're little, they're not, you know, they're, they're plenty, you know, a, a, an eagle could easily carry one off. Right. You know? right. So I think they're, I think they can sometimes be vulnerable to eagles for quite a while. Yeah. Interesting. So you're, you're planning for your upcoming hunt. When does, when does the season start? Uh, starts on August 10th. Okay. And how many have you taken so far? I mean, I'm looking at, you've got five, six shoulder mounts, a couple euros back there. Yeah. I got some more around the corner. I've, I've, I've killed 14 of them Wow! in Man. almost, in almost 20 year. It'll, this year will be 18 or 19 years of hunting them. Uh-huh. Incredible. Every year, pretty much. Yeah. If I wasn't rooted here in Texas, I would, I mean, Alaska would be another place I could see myself living for sure. Yeah. Man, that's awesome certainly jealous um doll sheep are, are you know what i want to really talk about today uh they're in the news again uh, sci posted it on their feed and it's it's really sad what's happening like you said you guys are losing hunting ground and it seems like at an unprecedented rate the federal subsistence board closed sheep hunting to two units within the famed brooks range um I'm sure, I think that, what is it, 24 and 26? Uh, yeah, it's 24, 24A and a portion of 26B. Basically, uh-huh. basically what's walk-in accessible from the road, uh, from the hall road, the Dalton. <laughs> so road. it just made it harder for the average Joe to get yeah, it to access. And, and, you know, you could really get deep in the weeds to it. The western portion of the Brooks Range has been closed for a few years. They, It was one of these, oh, we'll close it and see you know, to let it recover. And now you don't hear about it anymore and it will probably never get reopened. Mm. Um, you know, if you talk to old timers, the, 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 the sheep boom in the Western Brooks range was largely due to, um, you know, they, a lot of guys, a lot of the old timers that have been around a long time attribute it to, uh, to all the predator control that a lot of the outfitters in the Brooks range did just on mm. their own every spring, they'd go up there and shoot, shoot every wolf they could find out of their super cubs and mm-hmm. you know over a lot of years of doing that it just it lets sheep expand into into range that's you know maybe even marginal for them but you know that's just that's just that's one that's one take but anyway this closed area butts up to that on the west side and there's a, you know there's a significant chunk of chunk of land that's even really borderline or too far for walking distance um and it it also closed the Dalton Highway corridor or the Dalton Highway corridor management area, which is uh, a five mile five miles either side of the Dalton Highway's archery only. 
you know, so it's the, you know, one of the few archery only areas for doll sheep, you know, in the world. And, and they closed it. They closed it. It's walking access and success is extremely low. Like there may be, you know, I think, you know, I'm sure it averages less than five, but probably more like one to three sheep a year, maybe get killed in that area hmm. just because of the, you know, with archery, archery equipment, it's just much more difficult. Uh, getting close to sheep with archery tackle seems like that would be a a very daunting task just from the standpoint of where are the trees where's the cover you know like oh yeah can see you from a mile away oh yeah and they you know they, they can see you from a long ways away and just you know depending on the terrain a lot of times the terrain and where they put themselves they put themselves in a position where they can see predators coming and sometimes mm -hmm. there's just nothing you can do yeah. to, to get close to them there's guys that do it you know and it's it's a really cool accomplishment, but, um, you know, the main, the main takeaway is that a big portion of this area they closed has basically no hunter impact. Mm -hmm. From uh, the, because it was archery or because of access. Or um, because, mostly because it's mostly be well, um, or because it's marginal habitat. No, this, the, the low success rate in that, in the archery corridor is just due to the art being right. archery and it's just much tougher. Um, you know, the success rates a little higher, obviously where you can use a rifle in those areas. Um, but the, the, the basis or excuse for closing it is the, the numbers are, are down, uh, the winners of, uh, 2019, 2020 and 2020, 2021 were pretty severe. We had tough springs and it killed a lot of sheep and weather and predation are the two by far the two most influential factors in sheep populations and uh you know uh, the powers to be have used the the now you know depressed numbers of sheep in the area as justification to close it all when which you know the state wildlife managers disagree with um the and the the no, surely Alaska Fish and Game would agree with this right i mean like <laughs> no one would be opposed to it if the if that's if that's what it were really about, you know, right. but under, you know, they and they have a strong argument that under the full curl regulation, where basically for, for quote unquote, sport hunters, non-subsistence hunters um, in that area and many others um, to be legal, a ram hat, a ram's horn have to be full curl under their definition or eight years old or mm -hmm. have both tips of the horns broken off. Um, and, and typically what that does, there's, there's some younger Rams that, that will be legal, but most of the Rams that are legal are going to be eight years old or older and, you know, have already been able to pass on their genetics. And, and there's some sound theory that under this strategy, there's hunting cannot have a, basically a detrimental effect on the population. Yeah. You know, that, that the population, even though it's depressed now, the population will recover under this regulation because you're not taking immature sheep or you're not killing ewes or anything like that, that, that really the animals that really drive the numbers. It's interesting. Cause I've been on backcountry hunts in New Mexico, for example, and there's people up there sheep hunting and they've, they draw you tags yep. just to check that off of their, you know, North American species list. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a hard hunt where they're archery elk hunting and they're just smoking used with rifles. It's cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's well, not the sheep hunt I'm interested in, but more power to them. No. Uh, well, and but, I think, 
I think there's about, a place for that. Oh, sure, sure. I'm I'm just saying, like, they had a healthy enough population to where the state mandated yeah. or, or allowed the harvest of ewes. Like, yeah. we're, we're not even talking about that here. We're talking about shooting the eight-year-old rams. Yeah. No, mature rams. And, uh, you know, depending on where you want to dive in with this, Oh, you know me. I want to dive into all of it, uh, especially the corruption between the federal subsistence board and our uh, secretary of interior. Uh, but we do need to take a quick break. That segment of the show proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics. Did you know that I now have a 10% off coupon or code actually with Vortex? All you need to do is go over to eurooptic.com Use that promo code LONESTAR10 at checkout, and you'll save 10% off of any Vortex Optic on the website. And they have them all. Uh, so get over there. Don't be shy. Use that promo code and uh, enjoy some sweet new Vortex glass just in time for hunting season. Uh, we'll be right back with more from Tyler Friel on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. If you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide Scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. The granddaddy of all hunting shows is back. The 2022 Hunter's Extravaganza, August 12th through the 14th, now at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center in Dallas. Free entry for police officers, first responders, and active military with an ID. And kids under five. See the best bucks taken last season in our annual deer contest. Experience the latest in hunting technologies and equipment. And don't miss the 2022 Hunter's Extravaganza. Details and tickets at ttha.com. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. There's a classic from Johnny Horton North to Alaska bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you, and we've still got outdoor life writer, big game hunter, Tyler Friel checking in from Alaska, and we'll get back into that conversation in just a second. This segment, though, proudly brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and the good folks over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, okay, well, Tyler, uh, before the break, you mentioned, you know, how deep do we want to dive into the corruption 
that uh, has seen massive swaths of public land closed to doll sheep hunting and previously to caribou hunting in your great state of Alaska. Uh, I'm just going to hand the ball off to you, man, and let you explain what the uh, Federal Subsistence Board has done here. What hap- What's happened is the the Federal Subsistence Board closed all this area to both subsistence and non-subsistence hunters as a result of what is called as wildlife, temporary wildlife special action request is the kind of method for that, that got this closed. And that was submitted by, um, I think it was what's called the Western Interior um, Alaska Regional Advisory Council. It's just basically a group of, of, of local subsistence hunters as a council that, that they're in Wiseman, Alaska. And they requested that the subsistence board close this to everybody based on, you know, is Wiseman in the same area as these two units? Yes, it is. Okay. And, and these areas are where they would, you know, the people would, would traditionally subsistence hunt, but I, there's, I can't remember the exact number. I believe it's less than 10 people live there year round. So, (laughs) and, and all this really is the result of one guy who lives there. You know, he, he heads the committee, he wrote the proposal and basically he's responsible for getting this closed. Um, and you know, the, the proposal itself's full of anecdotal, he sets it up as basically he knows every sheep in the area and he knows that all the mature rams got killed last year and it's a catastrophe and they're, you know, mind you, I don't, you know, and, and some of the, a lot of this is just my understanding i don't know the guy uh, and some mm-hmm. of it some of it's my personal opinion and maybe take so I try to be as objective as possible but um from what i gather he doesn't really leave the road you know and the way he wrote the proposal is comes across as his surveying sheep from the road says that there's no mature rams left in the entire area and well if you're all- a mature ram the last place you're going to be is close to the road so yeah, yeah, not not always, not always. Um, it, it's pretty wild country, but the the point is that is the whole proposal was pretty much anecdotal and and not it, you know having hunted sheep as long as I can, it's it's pretty foolish for one person to think that they can know every you know know what sheep what what's going on with the well, sheep. If they don't associate the the highway or the road with danger, then the hunting pressure that just tells me it's like, eh, it's not really that great. Yeah. But you know, in, in, in time, and it, I mean, the, the road cuts right through like the heart of good sheep country in there. And, mm-hmm. and it, in, I'm sure I have no doubt that the lower numbers are reflected in what, what you actually see from the road. Cause I mean, it, sure. in the way, the way most people think about, you know, glassing from a road is probably different than, than what it's really like, but it, it, it's just, it's silly to think, you know, for one guy to claim that he knows everything that's going on in this unit and how many Rams, I mean, in, in the hearing where they decided to close this, there was a a lot of public opposition, people calling in to testifying and even people saying, you know, look, I hunted in there last year and saw six mature, you know, six legal Rams, in the area I hunted and another guy saying, I, I was up there this spring and saw several mature and took pictures of several mature rams. And, and it's just it, the narrative, it's, it's just what it boils down to. A lot of people have the feeling that he, that this narrative was created 
due to or created to to close down to keep people out of the area is what it boils down to isn't that what we saw with the closure of the caribou and moose yeah it's exactly it's exactly the same i mean and i what area was that that was that was um units i think they i don't think they closed it in unit 26 but 2023 you know, right. around Kotzebue and the Southern Brooks, the Southwestern Brooks range for caribou. And it, and it, in my opinion, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Which it's not was about local people that live there saying, we don't want anyone else coming in here. Basically that's it. You yeah. know, and that's, but guess what? It's, it's you own that land and I own that land. I've never stepped foot in your state, but that's still my land. Yeah, no. And, and I don't buy that the, that the actual biological concerns are, as critical as because that's what was used to close the caribou and the and this sheep whereas in the in the count of that that western arctic caribou herd the numbers according to the survey if you want to believe that and a lot of this stuff is you could really easily dive down the conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. rabbit hole tinfoil hat stuff but if you believe the survey numbers the herds right it has been declining but caribou herds do naturally grow and decline um but biologically, there's no just there's no no study, no fact or anything that that can stand behind the claims that non the the few the relatively few caribou bull caribou that are killed by non locals in that area have any effect on the population whatsoever, like none. Mm-hmm. You know, and every study says cow you know mature cow caribou are the drivers of the population, and almost nobody that's traveling up there to hunt is going to kill any cows. Right. Um, and and the in the closure, they didn't even make a recommendation recommendation for subsistence hunters not to kill cows. You know, so it's it's really kind of revealing. And the same thing, you know, the the state of Alaska biologists, sheep biologists went against are against this closure in the Brooks Range. Um, you know, they fully believe, and I I tend to agree with them that it will under the current hunting regulations, it will naturally recover over time. Um, even the proposal itself admits that it's not hunting pressure that that has has depressed the numbers. It's weather and weather, and it even mentions predation, but it doesn't make any suggestion even for predator control, which most of the federal agencies are completely against. Predator control? Yeah, that's interesting. I know, like Idaho Fish and Game shoots wolves out of their out of helicopters. Yeah, so uh, does the state of Alaska in on state land, but the the feds fight them every step of the way just let, let let people do their jobs let them manage their wildlife you know yeah. yes that's so frustrating well, and but it, it's hardly surprising to see the one human being making a stink and getting a, a something closed for everyone else we, we see it happen across the board you know it's whether it's one person or one anti-hunting organization um yeah. it's the frustrating thing for me is to see organizations and i'm dude when you, when you heard all this green decoy stuff come out a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe you read about it and it's like, eh, not sure I'm buying that. When you have organizations like BHA champion Deb Howland, who SCI put her feet to the flame, said, can you commit to a no net loss hunting policy? And she wouldn't do it. I mean, guess who oversees the uh, federal subsistence board? Yeah. The federal the department of yeah, the, interior. The, federal, the federal subsistence board is not an elective or represent it represents certain interests but not it's not an equally represented there's no representation for 
what you're called non-qualified subsistence users, which are, is anybody that doesn't live in a given area, you know, mm -hmm. the, the only qualified users in, you know, for, for the, the caribou closure, the only people that can still hunt are the people that live there. The, the, the federal subsistence board is, I mean, it's, it's made up of the head, the Alaska regional, however you want to put it, heads of the like U S fish and wildlife, national park service, BLM, I believe U.S. Forest Service and uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs. So it has basically department heads for all the federal agencies and then a few appointed appointed just members of the public, which I believe are all, I could be wrong, I could believe they're all, you know, rural subsistence users, which it's important for, for rural users to have representation and have someone but not all the representation. For looking out for their, you know, their subsistence rights, it's that that's important, but I believe that these, these closures aren't truly about preserving those, right. It's about eliminating competition. It's not by, it's not true biological concern, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll, a lot of this stuff isn't talked about, you know, I know people who are on rural, you know, different rural advisory committees and stuff who've said that, you know, the attitude is very much, of how can we keep outsiders out? Like, how can we eliminate groups of people, keep them from coming in? And I kind of understand that. I understand the sentiment, but I don't think it's right. Right. Um, yeah. And, and know, so, but, but who oversees this is Deb Howard, I don't think essentially. It, she's yeah, the oh, boss yeah, of oh, all yeah. of it. It's secretary. She, it's the interior yeah. department. Yeah. And she's, you know, championed by specific for-profit entities and groups like BHA. Oh, this is a great, I'm like, no, it's not. How can you be for someone who wouldn't commit to say that you're not going to lose hunting access or hunting rights? And this is the result, man. Like I think people need to pay attention to, you know, where the money comes from and, and groups like group like that and their, uh, their political opinions don't align with mine a lot of the time. Yeah. But I think well, we would all agree as hunters, like is more hunting or less hunting access better if, if the herds can sustain harvest, like it's yeah. a no brainer. We all well, agree. Right. And you can get into, you know, the whole uh, Anilka back in, I believe it was 1980. I mean, and the big argument of the state is that it's all, it's the state's right to manage all our wildlife. Mm -hmm. And it's our, like, it's the state it's, that's the state's job. It's not the feds job to set, set hunting seasons and, you know, kind of de facto governed by, you know, it's, it's kind of just hijacking the management all of all these populations and, and locking people out of, out of federal land for no good reason, you know, and a lot of, a lot of state, a lot of the lower 48 states, unfortunately, the states do a much worse job you know, than, than the feds do it, it and, and they have a different type of relationship with these federal agencies, but, you know, generally when, you know, people like DeHaland and, you know, when they're appointed, it's the, it's the, it's not necessarily, you know, whoever, who's president or who's not president, but it's who they appoint that results in a net law. It results in loss of hunting opportunity for us here in Alaska anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's all, I mean, it's, it's all but a guarantee that, you know, when, when folks like that are in, in charge of these agencies, you know, we're going to lose hunt. We're going to lose, we lose hunting access under Trump. No. We right. actually gained back some that we had lost under the Obama in, uh, 
interior department. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew they, I mean, I asked you that last time. You yeah. were on. <laughs> but I think it's worth pointing out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, I, I was reading on, on, um, SCI's social media page that people were commenting, you know, there's a recent Supreme court decision, uh, federal agencies must be able to point to specific congressional authorization or their actions. Court should otherwise be skeptical of the decision. Um, I don't know, and I would have to dive into that decision a little bit more, but quite a few people were saying this recent Supreme Court decision flies in the face of this because there is no scientific, there is no evidence, there's no anecdotal evidence here that says we need we need to close this. So uh, maybe there's hope there. I don't know if you've heard of any recourse whatsoever for um, reopening these two units because it is closed from now as it stands from 2022 to 2024. Yep. And, you know, I don't, I don't know of any specific actions, but I'm sure the state is going to be, is going to be taking some, you know, stuff like, like John Sturgeon beating the national park service at the Supreme court, I believe twice, you know, kind of re reinvigorated a lot of the states. Um, that was more on, on, uh, access of navigable water or control of navigable waterways, um, but it's all, you know, there, there is going to be some action I'm sure. And hopefully, hopefully it's enough because the, there, you know, there's some dangers to, although the, you know, the subsistence rights are very important. I think it's dangerous for people to be pushing kind of abusing the system, mm-hmm. you know, and whether, you know, you'll have some people tell you whether, tell you that it's the fed, you know, that it's the federal agencies themselves trying to coerce these people into, or using these, these different groups of people to, to affect the closures that they want to make anyway, you know, whether that's true or not, you know, I don't know, but that, that's, it's a theory or, or it's just people seeing that, all right, well, over here, you know, they, they were able to do this to keep the outside, outside. Right. It's, out, that's so. a horrible precedent. So oh no, and especially when it's one guy when it's one guy doing this. I mean, it, it just opens up the floodgates and I we're going to be dealing with this until something major is dealt and you know, if the system you know, the, the system, I think it's clearly an abuse of the system and you know, I don't system, think, yeah, it's not going to change. Next year there it's going to be a different range. And they're going to be like well, we need yeah. to close this and it's going to be because like if this one one guy can come in here and have this profound of an impact closing two essentially two units to sheep hunters, people are going to be like, oh, we can do that. And there's oh, yeah. 50 of us like, or caribou or moose or whatever, whatever, whatever have you, you know, and it's, it's just, and, and, you know, I'm a little pessimistic as to whether or not it will, you know, if nothing's done, I don't think it will ever open up again. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, that's just what it seems like once it's a lot harder to get these areas back once you lose them, you know, yeah. so I, I try to well, be optimistic. <laughs> I, I, and I've been talking about this for 15 years, but I, in just my career of hosting the show, and this trend didn't start 15 years ago, it started before that, but you see less and less hunters pursuing careers in wildlife management and people work their way up the food chain and then they end up at the, in the head of these entities and they don't hunt and they don't care about hunting. They don't see the value in sustainable use hunting and how that is conservation. And a lot of them, frankly, pursue that career because they're animal lovers and they don't yeah, want hunting. No, no, and I and I think that's that's true for a lot of federal and and state 
absolutely fish and fish and wildlife agencies you know it's like you get into it because you love you know you love the wildlife and you love hunting or you get into it because you just love the wildlife and a lot of people do not that are involved do not like hunting which is so ironic because what's protecting these animals is hunter dollars like it's like you want to close these things which actually fund to keep these animals that you say you love abundant it's no, does, it, it doesn't make sense to me but there it's it's a different mindset it's the preservationist mindset of people should not be involved is is mm. is predominantly well, and that was the big thing that people said about deb Hallen's appointment is she's a preservationist not a conservationist yeah and i think we are seeing that come to fruition like yeah no it's it's a big difference because yeah you know you just don't uh, i could get Zinke would never have been like, yeah, let's do that. Let's close hunting, hunting land. Like, and he didn't. So no, we did, you know, it's, it's what, you know, whatever a person's personal feelings on politics or all this stuff is like under the last administration, we did not lose net. We didn't, we didn't in Alaska, we didn't lose any, we gained some ground Mm -hmm. in our hunting access and hunting opportunities. And now we're, you know, we're losing it rapidly, you know? So it's, it's, it's just not, it's not disputable. Every, every, shift in administration you're either losing or you're gaining opportunity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and you know are you are you going to write a piece for outdoor life on this or have you already um i haven't written any directly on i mean i i've talked about the issue in several articles Mm -hmm. on uh you know this northwest this caribou closure and the issues around that and I have one, one, maybe two, because we heard of the kind of rumors of this sheep closure before it was even written. And honestly, you know, it may, the, the, the and I'm sure the federal subsistence board was kind of aware of that it was going to be written and they probably decided to close it before it was written, but, or may have, that's my own personal opinion, mm. but, um, you, you know, but we're, we are planning on doing a piece kind of looking at an investigative piece, looking and, you know, what the federal subsistence board is, you know, what they do, what they've been doing and, and just a really deep dive into that issue. And I don't know if I'm going to write, it. I think we're going to try to find someone who's a little bit like more neutral and you know, a good, a good investigator, because it's just yeah. going to be impossible. It's so, I get so fired up about it because it, it directly affects me so much yeah. that I I'm not, I'm not going to be impartial. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, okay. Well, where can folks find you? They want to follow along. And I know you give updates on the stuff you write for outdoor life and, um, but Instagram. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Um, just the Tyler Freels, my handle. I, I'm not the best at posting regularly on there. Um, outdoorlife.com. Um, I'm on staff for them. And, and so, I, all my writing stuff. Will so be, how frequently do you publish a piece for them? Uh, usually several a week. Okay. You know, so, and it's all sort of different stuff, hunting, you know, stories, gun reviews, um, opinion, stuff like this. You know, I'm a staff writer, so it's, it's kind of, it's pretty cool. I get to get to write about a lot of different stuff, but yeah, usually multiple, multiple times a week, I'll have stuff coming up on there. Perfect. Well, man, I always appreciate your time and I will look forward to seeing a big old 40 inch Ram on your Instagram page coming up here in the, in the next few weeks. I hope so, man. <laughs> I'll take all the luck I can get. <laughs> all right, Tyler. Hey, thanks again, man. Always appreciate your time.
Yeah, no problem. So there he goes, Tyler Friel of Outdoor Life. Uh, really love his content and his writing. A great follow uh, if you aren't already. That segment of the show was proudly brought to you by Stealth Cam. You know, they've got a great lineup of wireless cell cameras with data plans as little as $5 a month. Plus, gone are the days of paying $300 for a wireless cell camera. Now, you can pick one up for like literally 150 bucks, and that's a high-end model. You can find all of them right there at stealthcam.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Tyler as well as our other guest, Brett Jepson of Three Curl Outfitters. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. And you stolen and wasted all my time. And you stolen and wasted all my time. And you